What's up, everybody? I am back with another edition of the Sunday Scary Stock Talk podcast, where I'm doing a special episode. It's a solo rip. I am peeling back the curtain a little bit for you guys to kind of understand a little bit about myself, why I started Green Candle Investments, what has my investment journey been, and how has it changed, a little bit of my investment goals, how I see the investment landscape changing, the macro outlook, how I'm in, how I'm preparing for an impending recession that I kind of see coming, and some word of advice for some newbies. Now, I feel like this was a very special episode for myself, as a lot of people have been kind of coming in and uh, joining the content, which is great, and I love it, and I love speaking to all these brilliant guests. But uh, I want everybody to kind of understand a little bit about me and my goals behind Green Candle. So uh, be sure to tune in and let me know what you think of this solo rip. Like, subscribe, give me five-star rating, and all that jazz. But as always, as always, as always, I am not a financial advisor. So anything I say in here, strictly, strictly my opinion and should not, not, not be taken as financial advice. So please, please, please do not take anything I say here as financial advice. It is strictly my opinion. Now let's get into the rip. What's up everybody. I am back with another edition of the Sunday Scary Stock Talk podcast. But first, before I get into the rip, I'd like to shout out financial stock data at financialstockdata.com. I encourage everybody to check it out. And if you want to use their premium tool, you can get the first month free with promo code GCI, as in Green Candle Investments. The premium tool allows you to use their entire platform, get a watch list. You can set all kinds of alerts regarding a stock, whether it reaches a certain PE ratio or something. It also shoots you an email. So then you can uh, know when you want to buy or sell as well as there's a radar chart so you can discover new companies that might mit- reach your format or reach uh, you know what what you want to buy in and uh, a ton of ton of great information all for you to make an educated decision on your purchases in the stock market so i encourage everybody to check it out financialstockdata.com promo code gci and get your first month free now i normally have a guest on this show and on every show but this is going to be a very special solo rip uh, this this time. So I think I wanted to kind of peel back the curtain, let everybody know a little bit more about myself, um, you know, a little bit about Green Candle Investments, why I decided to start it, <coughs> and much, much more. So um, let's start it, kind of t- take it back a little bit. So who am I? I am Brandon. Many of you probably know me. Uh, this probably isn't your first time hearing me or finding my content or something like that if you're listening to this. But if it is, welcome and welcome to that Green Candle family. And uh, yeah, reach out to me and let me know what you think. But anyway, I am an engineer by trade and now a data analyst. So I've always kind of been intrigued by numbers uh, and kind of uh, had a very analytical mindset. Uh, So I've always been just sort of fascinated with math, science. So uh, logically, while I went into college, I was kind of swayed into going into engineering, which was great first initial career. But I've always kind of had an interest in finance and money, the way money works. Um, 
you know, after kind of living through the 2008 crisis, although, you know, I was just a freshman and sophomore in high school kind of during that time, it really opened my eyes up to a lot because I saw, you know, a lot of family struggle. I saw my family struggle a little bit um, as well. And, uh, you know, I, I just realized during that time that I didn't want to ever feel that suffer. I never wanted to feel that, uh, you know, financial crisis or something like that. I didn't want things taken away from me without my control. I wanted to basically make sure that I could make myself and my family, whether it's, you know, uh, a future family or my current, you know, immediate family too, uh, help them out in any way, shape or form that I could. And so I began educating myself on finance and by like listening to podcasts, reading books, all that kind of stuff um, in late college, early grad school time. So um, I began driving Uber. So in between picking up uh, drunk at college kids at the bar and dropping them off at the bar districts, I, uh, I was listening to a lot of financial and uh, business sort of podcast. So my my initial goal was to, you know, start educating myself uh, before I kind of got that first big boy job. And I also opened an account with Acorns. So um, for those that don't know or are not familiar with Acorns, it's a, a robo-advisor, which a robo-advisor is essentially like a financial planner, financial advisor that automatically you know, updates your portfolio uh, kind of based on a computer program. And that is done, uh, you know, the cool thing about Acorns is when I first started, it was free for college students, and it did this thing called roundups. So what a roundup is, is essentially you spend $9.50, that other additional 50 cents is then invested for you uh, into various indexes like the S&P 500. And so you can kind of set your, um, you can set your portfolio to conservative, you know, uh, uh, aggressive and like very, um, you know, just kind of like the in between moderate and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I think it's very good for beginning investors and it kind of helped me get started in the whole investing game. And um, yeah, so if there's anybody that uh, is kind of getting started and doesn't know where to start, I always think that's a good place to start because you can kind of learn as you're putting in a little bit money. And once you start to put in a little bit of money, that kind of like drives it as well. At least it did for me. And so as I kind of continued along this journey, reading and listening to a lot of podcasts about personal finance, I kind of moved into Robinhood, which kind of allowed it for, you know, a little bit of gamification of investing. I was more so thinking like about trading and kind of, uh, you know, like I said, I was in grad school at this time. So I was thinking about ways that I could make my money that I was getting from Uber a little bit, uh, go a little bit farther. And that way that I kind of saw initially was through trading. And so I did that and it was good. You know, I, I mean, it's everybody kind of looks like a, a genius in a bull market, but unfortunately not everybody is a genius. And uh, it's, it's really tough in times, especially like this, like right now. So we'll kind of get into that macro a little bit later, but um, you know, I, I was able to, to make some more money and, and help that go a little bit farther. So it was nice while I was in college. Um, 
but uh, yeah, once I kind of got my big boy job, that's when I kind of started to learn more about the fundamentals, just the long steady ride. I didn't really necessarily need all that expendable cash that I was making from stock trade. So I was looking at more buy and hold. Um, and I was thinking about other things like retirement and, and all that kind of stuff, but it wasn't always smooth sailing. I think a lot of people, uh, underestimate like the difficulty of investing and I kind of did that as well. So, um, one thing that, that I did, you know, learn from my parents, uh, was, uh, my mom always pushed me to get a Roth IRA and I did get one when I was 18 and I put some money that I got from like high school dead end jobs in there and then also kept like a high yield savings account for a future house and i'll get into that later but um that house or that uh roth ira i put it in uh, i think it was like a vanguard or something along those lines and it was very confusing especially for a young kid who's never really dealt with anything like this um so i opened the account and i put the money in and the money was there and then recently i went to switch to a different roth ira provider and uh, found out that my money was never invested. It was sitting there the whole time without that. So luckily, you know, it wasn't very much money and it was just kind of sitting there and you know, I've been able to get like a 401k through my employers and everything like that. So it wasn't necessarily a big deal, but it was a big lesson learned for me to always kind of you know be on top of your investments, especially if you're trying to manage it by yourself. So um, I guess back to my Robin Hood kind of grad school early, um, <clears throat> early, I guess, first big boy job. Uh, so that then when I was listening to podcasts, I kind of found my way into Bitcoin and, and more stock picking. And that's when I really, I think, kind of went down the rabbit hole of stocks and Bitcoin and uh, real estate as well. And so, yeah, I graduated college uh, and got my first big boy job. And I started putting money into three different piles, Bitcoin uh, stocks and, and saving for a house. And then, you know, I kind of uh, got around the time of, of the having in 2020. And I started aggressively putting more money into Bitcoin after that, uh, you know, COVID crash, because I thought that, you know, it was a very great buying opportunity. And, and so... Um, yeah, it's ended up being uh, doing pretty well for me. And so I did that and as well as like started rapidly sa uh, saving for a house. And so because I uh, was saving for a house, I ended up buying one in September 2020. And I bought a duplex. And now I am uh, I'm Airbnb out part of it and uh, living in half of it, which has been great. Um, I have a friend managing it for me and... Yeah, I mean, it, it's overall been pretty successful so far. Um, is it in a bubble or am I worried about long-term um, potential, you know, people not renting it out? No, not really, because a lot of people where I live in Tampa, Florida are, uh, you know, a lot of people are moving down here by the day. And so I think people are always going to be looking for places to live. So even if the Airbnb thing doesn't work out, I think, you know, long-term tenant um, would still be a viable option. But anyway, I kind of started learning about all these things and learning about different ways to invest. And because of that, uh, I started telling a lot of my friends about that. And so this kind of leads me to the story of why I started Green Candle Investments. So I, uh, <clears throat> I initially then went 
into uh, trying to educate my friends and, and my family. I got my family, my siblings onto acorns and other things. Um, and I tried to get, you know, my friends kind of started on that stuff. And it wasn't really well received. Um, and so I knew that there was a lot of people out there that were similar to me that were really looking for information that wasn't super technical. Um, because I think like a lot of the content that I saw out there was from a lot of financial guys, a lot of people who have been looking at this for a long time, or a lot of people who have been down the rot line in real estate. And there wasn't really like the average Joe just kind of learning in public. And so all these things that I was learning, I was sending to my friends. And finally, I had one friend, Dan, who started this with me, but uh, he eventually, you know, he got a new job from from a lot of the stuff that we put out. So he's not doing this with me anymore. But uh, he uh, having him initially, I think really helped with the accountability. Because I think, you know, at the beginning, we were both putting out a lot of content, and it is tough. It is a tough game initially, um, you know, because a lot of people you're writing, you're spending a lot of time kind of stressing about these things and it's not being seen by a lot of people. And it's still like to like I'm more than a year in and I got, you know, a decent sized Twitter following that I never really thought I would have. But <clears throat> it's still to this day, like some of the things that I put out just doesn't, you know, have it doesn't take off for amount of time I've put in. But I that initial base of just like saying like, Hey, you know, reflecting back to when I was in the initial stage of investing, I think that's what kind of keeps me going and kind of keeps me, uh, you know, wanting to keep doing this. And I enjoy it. And I enjoy, you know, having uh, these conversations with a lot of brilliant people. And I think what I wanted to do initially was just educate friends and family and kind of open the eyes of others to, of ways to invest, whether it's in the stock market, real estate, Bitcoin, or, uh, you know, some other ways, like I know you can invest in wine and and some of these other things now too, which is kind of cool. And it's becoming more of, I guess, a cool fad topic. And so what I want to do is kind of help people filter that information or provide a lot of information, whether it's like newsletter, news articles, where, you know, people can, um, you know, kind of look at, Bitcoin, see what is going on off chain, even though uh, to help get kind of uh, some conviction into their investment. And then it's uh, also like looking at uh, how I invest in in stocks and other things where it's not only <clears throat> looking at the bullish and the bearish arguments, but it's uh, are looking at the, just the bullish arguments. It's looking at the bearish as well. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, I think overall, I I'm excited about where Green Candle's going. And I think that uh, selfishly, the opportunity to talk to a lot of uh, really educated and and people uh, and investors and uh, people who have doing this a long time has, has made me not only a better investor, but a better you know, person looking at these principles and things like that. Because I think, you know, as Warren Buffett says, uh, investing kind of teaches you a lot about yourself and in life as well. So I think, uh, you know, overall, it's been great. um, And it has kind of helped me develop my investment journey over time. And so that investment journey, just as I kind of went back and stated the earlier, uh, earlier was just 
you know, doing an initial research, then going into like a robo advisor, like acorns, and then, you know, more getting into the gamified stock picking, you know, buying and selling with Robinhood. And then now I'm doing more buy and hold based on research and uh, my, you know, core beliefs about where things are going. And so I think that that, uh, you know, along with uh, this crazy macro environment has kind of made me reflect a lot on like what my investment goals are for the future. And so I, I'm not, you know, I, I have, uh, you know, a very small, I would say stock portfolio compared to, um, what I have in other investments as in Bitcoin and in, um, my real estate property, but that's just simply because like it required more, you know, upfront cash, um, and, uh, for the real estate property and uh, in <clears throat> Bitcoin, it just shot up so much more than than stocks did. So I think my next investment goal is to get another real estate property because eventually I think, you know, I, I need to find a way to kind of get diversified and, and get some more cash flow. Now, granted, do I think real estate is going to be perfect and is not going to crash or anything like that. No, I'm not saying anything like that, or I'm not doing it based on any prediction. I just think that there's certain investments that are great for long-term and there's certain, and, and it really depends on your investment goals. And so I'm kind of peeling back the curtain to show that, look, like I speak a lot about various investments. I'm a Bitcoin maxi. I, you know, I, I believe in a lot of the stock market. I believe in a lot of companies, but it, the, the, your goals of your investment really matter about your overall outlook and what you're trying to get out of it. So I think, you know, part of me wants the cash flow aspect of real estate. And, uh, you know, another part of me wants like the long-term aspects of, of stocks and Bitcoin too. But in the meantime, I need to be able to get that cash flow in order to help the long-term investments grow. And so that's kind of my next hurdle that I want to get over. And when is that going to happen? I don't know. Um, you know, I live in a kind of a tough market right now. And I think that that will kind of continue. Um, maybe it'll slow down the growth. But um, I don't know. It's a lot of people are moving to Florida. So and this is kind of my first experience in, in real estate. So hopefully, um, you know, everything goes well and I can get that. And if anybody has any tips or, or something like that or some good material to kind of help me get that way, uh, you know, feel free to reach out and let me know, because like I said, it's all an interaction and a learning experience. Um, <clears throat> and so, you know, how do I see the next question I want to kind of answer is, uh, how do I see the investment landscape changing? And I think this is a very interesting question that I want to start asking a lot of I want to start asking a lot of the guests that I have on my podcast, because I think that there's getting a lot more publicity as far as uh, investing goes. Um, you'll see it in the news a lot more often, um, especially with the GameStop stuff. You see a lot of these various uh, things just kind of shoot up and go to the moon. And that's what people are always FOMO buying in is all these uh you know, big uh, shoot ups, but there's also, you know, those stories that are big shoot downs, but nobody really wants to talk about those. And so in the end, 
I think that the gamification and kind of the publicity is going to get more people into it. More people are kind of, uh, you know, in turn able to experience and experience volatility and kind of not uh, panic sell. And I think that that's good in the end. But um, I think like, you know, in the end, fundamentals are going to kind of make a roaring turn back. And so I think, you know, initially there's going to be some gamification, as I said, with Robin Hood. And what I also think, too, is like soon the markets are will never close, like meaning the ability to buy and sell will be at all times. Uh, We're already seeing Robin Hood kind of extend trading hours where you can buy uh, before the close or before the open and after the close. Uh, And I kind of see that trend continuing. I wouldn't doubt it. Like if. You know, you could buy it before the close at, you know, 1 a.m. And uh, although the business trading hours would still be maybe the same time in the U.S., I think like the ability to buy and sell stocks at any time will kind of uh, occur because the overall investing landscape is forcing people to uh, become like just essentially traders, like every single person that needs to, or that wants to keep up with inflation now has to become somewhat of their own portfolio manager. Granted, like they're just maybe managing their own personal or like them and their, their immediate family's personal or whatever. But that thing is going to kind of continue. That trend is going to continue where everybody's going to have to become essentially a stock picker, just, you know, looking at some of these things. And I think, Uh, that makes it more difficult for the person who has that nine to five, right? And so because they have that nine to five and then they need to go back and and now become like a stock picker, I think that that is going to kind of push uh, consumers on like uh, trading platforms like Robinhood to demand the ability to buy and sell stocks at any time. And if that trend continues, which I kind of see it, it doing because like inflation is rising. Um, you know, what we're, I'm going to talk about it here in a sec, but the CPI print for the month of May was 8.6% and wage growth was only 4%. So literally inflation was double the, more than double the amount of wage growth. And so because of that, people are going to have to find ways to make up that 4.6% gap. And in order to do that, they're becoming stock pickers. And, you know, granted, I think it's um, it's good in the fact that people are kind of figuring out how to grow their wealth, but it's bad in the fact that it's becoming a second job and it's stressing a lot of uh, young Americans out and they're having to deal with a lot of things that, you know, we're already seeing it. Families are delayed, um, you know, maybe people's dream of buying that that house with the white picket fence is going away. Uh, a lot of different things are changing where it's not necessarily encouraging people, you know, to protect their wealth. They're doing it out of necessity, which I think is a huge, huge problem. And so that brings me to the macro outlook. So I think, you know, like I said earlier, the <clears throat> CPI print of 8.6% is extremely troubleson where uh, I've talked about this, you know, multiple times with, with different, different podcasts, but that millennial generation, um, you know, Gen Z, like all these ge- generations that are kind of growing up in this extremely, extremely inflationary times are just going to be the ones that are suffering because they're the ones with no assets. 
they're the ones who are 401ks are kind of just starting and they're starting off either slow or they started off pretty good. And then now they crashed immediately. And they're the ones that are going to have to deal with all this inflationary pressure where, you know, these, these prices of these goods are going to go up, but do they generally go back down? My answer is probably not like, you know, Apple's charging, I don't know how much for a new phone. Like, do you think that the new rendition of Apple's iPhone is going to be cheaper than what they put out this year? Hell no. Of course, it's going to be more expensive. But now you need a smartphone and now you need to pay for those unlimited talk and text. Now you need faster Internet, you know, the, the entertainment of wanting streaming services and, and other things now is, is going up and everything's going up around you. And it's not only like entertainment things, it's food, it's gas, it's everything like that. So I think, you know, more people are kind of trying to FOMO into the stock market or find ways to do it. And we saw a really popular way of doing that previously was was growth stocks. And in my opinion, growth stocks are going to be the ones that are going to be hit the hardest because CPI print is massive. The Fed's going to need to raise rates, making easy access to capital a lot harder. Right. So a lot of these companies didn't make money. They pulled the Amazon model, which works for a company like Amazon, but it doesn't work for every company. And that, uh, you know, they get easy access to capital and then they don't they keep investing it back in the business and they don't uh, necessarily have to make money initially or they don't make money at all, you know, for the near future. And because they do that. Then <clears throat> then they uh, you know, think that they never really have to make money. They keep pushing it back, pushing it back, pushing it back. And then the stock price does well. So they think, hey, you know, it's not a big deal that the stock price is down or that the that, uh, you know, they're not making money because the stock is doing well and the outlook long term is good. But it's like, all right, well, when is that long term outlook going to change and when are they going to actually start making money? They're going to have to start raising prices on things like things like Uber or like a Facebook or like something like that, where, you know, these growth stocks just immediately shot up. And now I think that there's going to be a reckoning for a lot of these poorly run companies. And so I think growth's going to take a huge hit and value, which has been kind of lagging behind a lot of these, um, you know, a lot of these growth stocks because they've shot up exponentially and kind of like inexplicably uh, shot up. I think that that's going to continue. And I think that uh, value will rise and like, uh, you know, previous fundamentals that people never really saw are going to kind of continue and shoot up. And so, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think it'll be an interesting time. Do I think like we're at the end or we're in a recession? Yes, I think we're in a recession. And no, I don't think we're in the end. I think we're going to see a few more tough years of this, unfortunately. And uh, I think, you know, a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people say that it's not the 2008 or it's not, you know, similar to that crash. But um, yeah, I think the stock market's going to take the biggest hit in this one. Will real estate be affected? I think so, but I think it'll be different in, in different markets. So you're seeing like a mass exodus of a lot of uh, blue states moving to red states. Like a lot of people, I think the top three states that people are moving out of are New York, Massachusetts, and California. And they're fleeing to states like Texas, Tennessee, and Florida. And I think that that trend's going to continue. And so the states where people are fleeing to like Florida, Texas, Tennessee, 
those prices are going to rise, maybe not at the rate that they're doing it right now, but I think that they're going to continue to rise. And real estate in states like New York, um, California, and in other places is going to start to fall. And so, you know, how am I preparing for an impending recession that I kind of think is afoot? I mean, right now, like, it might be kind of a cop-out answer, but I am young. So I am investing for the very, very long term. And so I'm kind of continuing the strategy that I have and in investing in companies that I now, you know, the ones that I invest in, I really, really have to have a, a strong conviction in those investments. And because I, I do on the ones that I am investing in, I'm going to kind of continue buying and just like dollar cost averaging in. And I think, you know, that's the way for me that I do it. That's the less, you know, less stressful. And I think, you know, anybody that uh, is kind of coming in and is thinking about investing, I think that's the way to do it is just DCA and chill. And so to wrap it up, uh, any advice that I would have for newbie investors is essentially what exactly what I say, you know, just like find conviction in your investments. Once you find conviction in your investments, you can ride those volatility swings. You know, why do you think Bitcoiners, Bitcoin maxis can ride these 50% drawdowns? And it's simply because they have so much conviction in Bitcoin and the, and the technology. Granted, like, I don't think that you should do anything like that and, and be stupid with any any uh, investments. And I also, you know, am not a financial advisor, but what has helped me is that I have conviction in my investments. So, you know, I don't need to check it every day, like losing money um, on paper and losing money or gaining money on paper. I kind of have like the same reaction. Sure. It's always nice to see that number go up, but I think having conviction in your investments helps the most within a, within a bear market. And so I just employ you to do your own research, kind of figure out ways to figure out how, uh, you know, what you're investing in and, and what those things might, uh, you know, what the backings of that company is and kind of whatever justification you need, whether it's the impending financials or it's like the fundamentals of the company, what they do, the business, the product, whatever you believe in, in that company that that'll help you invest it. I think that that's the most important thing. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I've kind of been doing this uh, solo rip here for just about 30 minutes. And that's kind of where I wanted to end it is, is around this time, because talking to myself and listening to my own voice for that long period of time is, is kind of, uh, you know, exhausting and funny, too, at the same time, because, yeah, I'm essentially just talking to, to my computer screen here. But, uh, you know, if you guys like this episode and like me kind of peeling back the curtain and letting everybody know a little bit about myself and the investing strategy and how I look at things, uh, let me know. I mean, if you hated it and never want me to do this again, that's fine too. Uh, I, you know, I'm just here for for the guests and, and I want to, or here for the audience. And if you guys want me to bring on more guests, then, then let me know. And if you want me to, uh, you know, if you have any suggestions of who to bring on too, you know, feel free to reach out or, or uh, shoot me a DM or, or something along those lines too. So uh, overall, I'm bullish on just the, the knowledge sector and people like learning more about uh, investing as a whole. But I think that, uh, 
you know, bear markets make uh, for good investors. So if you guys can kind of learn and figure out the ways now to, uh, you know, justify your investments, I think it'll make you even stronger in the end. So on that note, I will wrap it up. Uh, Subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, You know, follow me on Twitter at GreenCandleIT. And uh, yeah, subscribe to my newsletter, GreenCandleInvestments.substack.com. Subscribe to my YouTube. And uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter so you can see those great Twitter spaces where I'm learning a lot as well. So on that note, I am out. And thank you so much for listening.